0: I totally whiffed and did not introduce him last time. So this time, I want to introduce you to someone. As you probably know, the fold is an independently functioning campus of Boiling Springs First Baptist Church in Boiling Springs, South Carolina. So today we have Jonathan Sherbert, who's one of the executive pastors at Boiling Springs First Baptist, and Jonathan is first off, he's a lot of fun to hang out with, which is a really high compliment in my mind. That's like one of the most important qualities in someone for me. Um, but Jonathan loves Jesus. He has vision. He has passion. He's been a mentor. He's invested a lot in the fold. He believes in this place and what God's doing here. Um, and I am so excited that he is here to speak and to share what God's put on his heart today. So would you help me welcome Jonathan Sherbert? Yeah. Thanks, CJ. Check, check, we're there? Yes. Appreciate you. Um, so as we're getting started this morning, the, the last song we were just singing, uh, it's always a beautiful thing when you can hear, to me, the voices of people lifting up praise to God together. When you begin to hear that, um, I think, okay, the Lord is ready to do something with it because you can he- I can actually hear the faith that you guys had while we're singing together great are you, Lord. I believe it's not the exact words, but it's the song that Christians have been singing since they called this thing the way. When Jesus started his mission here on this planet to save us from ourselves, to save us from sin. And so that that song has been sung for thousands of years now. And I heard it just a minute ago. I was like, man, It is is really, really good stuff. So I just wanted to say that as as I came out this morning um, to talk through it, talk through this morning's message, um, we're going to be talking through the Abraham, the Isaac, the Hagar, the Ishmael story, um, Sarah, the whole thing in in Genesis chapter 21. We're going to do some lead up, some context to it uh, because this sermon actually came out of a sermon series. Um, but I wanted to share it because I feel like it's a a really, really great word on what it looks like to have faith that endures with patience, faith that has patience attached to it. It's a lot of times what faith is, right? Faith is this thing that you can see play out. It is the fulfillment of it. And so we're going to be talking about that. Um, but before we do, I got to know, uh, where, where people are in the room. And it has nothing to do with the Bible yet. Um, Christmas people, is there? I see somebody with a Christmas shirt on currently. I'm not going to call them out in this general vicinity. If we have a Christmas tree up in our house currently, can we raise our hands without shame? We've got multiple trees up. I thought we were going to make it to Thanksgiving this year. Did we make it last year? <laughs> no. <laughs> she, she's like, I promise you, we did not make it until last year. So we got Christmas. Okay, who's like staunch Christmas does not start until after Thanksgiving, people? So we're almost 50-50 in the room. It's cool. I, I, go, I, I go back and forth. I vacillate between um, Thanksgiving is this beautiful break in Christmas for, for a day, and then we go back to Christmas some years, and then some years I'm like, no, let's wait, because we, if we wait, it becomes special. If we don't do it for like six months of Christmas, right? Um, but you know, it just I won't uh, I won't be the the final say on that. If she gets the Christmas spirit, wants to put some trees up, I've got a five year old and a three year old, and so Christmas is still this like magical, like you know, uh, my five year old's like, okay, Dad, I got it. Here's what I want: a Furby, I want a ring monkey, I want a bicycle. I, she's got like a super specific list of what she feels like she. really, really wants for Christmas. Um, She was so sweet yesterday. She helped her sister get an early Christmas present because it was a princess dress because we were going over to a birthday party. That was a princess birthday party. So the whole thing, Christmas is fun, right? Um, I'm going to tell a story about what it was looking like for me in this um, moment of lack of patience. I remember I was in the sixth grade and I was begging for a drum set. I mean, like Absolutely begging. This guy over here, Micah, was my neighbor, and he probably heard the drum set at one one point, right? From down the street, he could hear me playing it, so we'll just know where this story is going. Um, I was begging my parents for a drum set. I mean like months, months, beg, 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 beg. No word of this drum set. One day, me and my dad are eating lunch um, at a restaurant in Boiling Springs called the Clock that no longer exists. That is so sad. It's going to be turned into a Chinese buffet. Feels like blasphemy in a lot of ways, but you know, the Clock wasn't this high class establishment anyway. So you know, who knows? So we're, eating, we're sitting at the Clock, and I am begging to my dad to tell me, Dad, am I going to get this drum set? I really want this drum set. Am I going to get this drum set? And he goes, no, son, I didn't get it for you. Just leave it alone. And I burst into tears. I'm a 12 year old, right, crying in clock. People are like, "Is he okay?" Like, my dad's like, "All right, chill, chill, calm down, calm down." And I'm like, "I really wanted this drum set. You promised me." I'm like, yeah, I'm "Losing my mind." He's like, "Okay, I got you the drum set. We'll go home and we'll put it together just so you can see it and like calm down." And I was like, oh, "Okay, man, I kind of ruined this whole thing." My dad. <laughs> Had this beautiful plan to try to put it together the night before. It was going to be there for me on Christmas morning. I was going to be one of the best surprises I ever had as a kid going up. And my lack of patience cost my dad this beautiful thing. And it's so much of how we are as people, right? Um, We can get our eyes set on something that we really, really, really want. And we take our eyes off. Uh, Something that maybe our parents, maybe our God actually promised us. And that's exactly what happened throughout this story of Abraham, of Isaac, of Sarah, of Hagar, of Ishmael. If you're not familiar with the story, I'm going to catch us up really, really quick, getting us up to chapter 21. So God comes to this man named Abram. He was not Abraham yet. His name was Abram. And he said, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. And I'm going to give you land as an inheritance. I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people. And he's like, that sounds great. I'm 75 years old. We probably should get working on that because currently he had no sons at all. None. His wife, Sarai, at the moment was barren. In that culture, in that time period, that was an extreme problem. Family lineage and the carrying on of the name and the wealth and inheritance, all that was a huge deal. A huge deal to this woman named Sarai. And now this God comes to them and says, I'm going to be your God. I'm going to make you a family that's massive, more than you could ever count. And I'm going to do it through you guys. And they're like, Whoa, mind's blown. All right, we're ready. And then the years started going by and nothing happened. And they got impatient. And they try to take it into their own hands. And I'm currently right now, um, like, taking some chapters, and we're going through chunks of it. Chapter 16, Sarai, I'm sure feeling this ton, like, a multitude of pressure because of the promise that God made, brings this woman named Hagar to her husband and says, hey, marry her, have this child through her, and we're going to be okay. Well, as soon as he has the child, she's like, I made a terrible mistake what have I done? I'm super jealous. This thing's horrible. Um, And his name was Ishmael. Ishmael was the son of this wife of now Abram has two wives and there was huge tension in the house, huge tension. And God comes back to Abram and Sarai and says, guys, this isn't what I was talking about. I was talking about doing this miracle through you. And he comes back to them and says, look, I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. I'm going to make this covenant with you. Now there's something on your end that you're going to have to uphold as well. Signs of the covenant. Cutting off some parts of the flesh. Like, whoa, how? Okay. We're getting serious in this covenant right now, right? This is going to be how it's going to roll. But I'm going to make this lineage through you and Sarai. He changes their names to Abraham and Sarah. And then right before chapter 21, a year before that, he says, all right. You've waited, you've been patient, you've not been perfect, but I'm still God and I'm going to honor my promise that I made to you and you're going to have a baby one year from now. They had waited for 25 years since the original promise. The original promise happened when Abraham was 75 years old. He is now 99 years old hearing this promise that one year from now, this baby is going to be born. And Sarah, Sarah gets her name changed to Sarah. And she is laughing. Can God really do this? Is this even actually possible? How does this work? And so that brings us um, 25 years later. Ishmael, the son, is 13 years old. 13 years happened between chapter 16 and chapter 17, which brings us to Genesis chapter 21, starting in verse 1. The Lord visited Sarah as he said, and the Lord did to Sarah... As he promised that 's a good God, right did as he promised, and Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son at his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called him the name of the son who was born to him, the son who Sarah bore to him Isaac that word that name means laughter we 'll talk about that in just a little bit and after Abraham circumcised his son when he did that on he was eight days old. As God has has commanded him, he was holding up his end of the bargain. Abraham was a hundred years old when Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham, can you imagine her holding this baby? She's 90 years old, holding this baby, laughing As she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. I want to talk about three observations that I'm pulling from parts of uh, chapter 21. There are going to be three things that we're going to talk about. The reward of patience. The reward of patience. The realization of his purpose and the release of his power. We're going to talk about the, what the reward of patience looks like for them, and how do we apply it also to our lives? Uh, any parents in the room? Uh, any non? What, what about my non-parents in the room? Okay, almost half and half again, right? So, if you're a parent, this wild, crazy thing happens called childbirth, and it is like one of the wildest things you'll ever experience. Even if you have nothing to do like uh, with it, like I was just watching my wife going. There, um, now there's a baby. That's amazing. How did that happen? But when you begin to hold this child that was attached to her, you cut the umbilical cord, you begin to hold this breathing baby, it is one of the wildest experiences of your life. Of your life, you go, God is a God of miracles, and he also gives us this beautiful gift um, through children. She, had, she was experiencing that now. There was a whole lot of waiting and a whole lot of trouble in the middle of it. She had this pain point in her whole life of being barren, especially with her husband. Her name, Abraham, uh, his name meant father of multitudes. That's who she's living with. But now she's holding this baby boy. It was parental joy. But for them, it was even more than that because this promise that God had made to them was not a quiet in the back of the room and nobody else heard it kind of promise. It was a promise that he was even a name change and talking about that with everyone around him, God has made me the father of multitudes. It was her being able to see the reward of this promise fulfilled by God. Can you imagine what that felt like? That promise now, not just this parental joy, but this fulfillment of this beautiful promise. And here's, I want us to think about this. It's a beautiful reminder that God will fulfill in his own way, in his own timing for a purpose. Maybe there's something in your life right now that you're asking God for and that you're praying about and you're seeking an answer for and you're hearing a whole bunch of nothing. Nothing's happening. You're going, I need something here. My life is on hold or my life is in shambles or there's a relationship that's broken. But I'm telling you, if he's not answering you, it's for a reason. It's not because he's not listening or that he doesn't care. There's something that also I believe that he wants to do with and through us in the waiting. He's making us more like Christ while we wait And in the process, okay, anybody, any basketball players in the room? Anybody like played like middle school? I was a middle school star. Oh my gosh, it's unbelievable. I did not make it into high school because I was not that much of a star. But I remember um, one time in practice, uh, I had this coach named Coach Langer. Do you remember Coach Langer? You didn't, did you ever have him? Did you ever hear about him? He was a trip. He was very hard. He was in a machining accident and lost all these fingers, um, and he would use it as like um, a death grip. It was wild and crazy. You know, early 2000s, late 90s school. It was wild. Okay, so he is making us run after practice. We're doing these things. I'm going to call them down and back. That's not what we used to call them. It's a little bit um, more. It was a weird. Okay, so you would start at the baseline. You would run to the free throw line back. Half court, back, free throw line, back, down and back. That's one. And he said, "All right, we're going to run these until one of the one of your teammates makes two free throws in a row, and we'll be done." He's like, "You guys can run one, or we're going to be here all night until somebody makes two free throws in a row." We're like, "All right, we got this. We're on the baseline, and about fifteen of these in, we, we're all thinking that this is it. Like this is where I I don't make it out of tonight." Um, people are losing the dinner that they had probably eaten before. Um, and we are going just like all out 27 of these in and we're like, okay, this is for sure. This is it. This is it. And we finally make it at at the end of it. I was like, coach, why did you do that? He's like, look, we're going to be better for the next game because you're getting your body in shape. But I also want to show you that there's a reward that can happen when you're patient along the way. There's a, I want to show you that you can get better. You can make yourself a better person, and there's going to be hard things along the way, and I want to show you that you can do that. I was like, okay, that's great. I don't understand, but I'm going to go home and sleep now. But I understand it a lot more clearly now. He was teaching me that even the reward of the game, winning the game, by the, by the way, the next game we actually crushed the team in the fourth quarter because we were, felt like in way better shape. We knew we could do a, a little bit more of a hard thing. But he was teaching us along the way, along this thing that we were doing, we were get, getting better internally as well. This huge reward, because Sarah had waited 25 years for this to happen. But for us, what does it look like? There is a reward in the patience of waiting for you as well. Isaiah forty, thirty-one says, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. God can renew your strength about something as we wait. And as we wait, the Bible says that He will be the one that renews our strength on it. Sometimes it gets really, really hard to wait. Sometimes you feel like you need an answer here and now. But the Lord can make you stronger in your faith as we wait. Wait. They will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk, and not grow faint. Faint. He's going to fulfill these promises in your life. He's going to stay with you and be beside you. But he also—that's not just the end goal. The end goal is to make you more like him along the way. He wants to give you more of himself through waiting. He wants to give you more of his spirit, his Holy Spirit, through patience, through the testing of your faith. He wants to give you more of himself. He wasn't punishing Sarah or Sarai for making her wait. He was setting her up for a very specific miracle. He wanted his people to know as he's beginning this covenant with them that it wasn't about them. It was about who he was. It wasn't about their timing and them trying to make it right. It was about his timing. I want you to be sure that everyone knows that this is who I am. And so sometimes if we feel like we're not getting that answer, we're not doing that, we have to keep in our brains and remind ourselves that he's got a purpose and a plan for it. Every champion, listen to this quote by a a serious scholar. Every champion was once a contender who refused to give up. That is from the Reverend, Bishop, Apostle, Rocky Balboa. Is there an area of your life that you can renew your strength in the Lord? Is there an area of your life where you can renew your strength in the Lord? Because he wants to do something in and through it. In the finale of it, when a baby is born or whatever that is in your life, but also in the waiting. So there is a reward of patience. There's also a realization of his greater purpose. The future redemption of this lost world came through the birth of a baby boy. That sounds pretty familiar, right? Isaac beget Jacob, and through his 12 sons, he would give the world the 12 tribes of Israel. And through his lineage, the son of God would be born. That's the line that it traveled through. And I wonder, each and every link you can see in that lineage, I wonder if they realized the greater purpose that they were all in and on along the way. Some of their names, as you look through the lineage, had some incredibly powerful, huge moments along the way. And some almost feel like blips but their lineage is in there because they served the greater purpose of the son of God that was coming to be born. And so you may wonder if what you do and who you are to God is really important. I wanna tell you that it is and it's vital because to be faithful and to trust his plan, when we choose it, he uses our faithfulness to carry out what he wants to do here on this world. He chooses to use power faithfulness. That is a wild thing. He doesn't have to do that. He is powerful enough to not, but he chooses to do that. There is incredible significance in the plan of Abraham and Sarah giving birth to this baby. Sarah in the Bible symbolizes or represents grace. The Bible in Galatians calls her the new Jerusalem. And the Hagar who was brought to Abraham, who he married and had a son with, Ishmael, she is representative of the old Jerusalem and the law that was given that only brings a mirrored image of what we could do, not real salvation. When, when God brought the law, it was only to show us how incredibly, amazingly sinful we, are, we were and how we couldn't do it by ourselves. So there's these two paths that you can see. Hagar represents even slavery to sin, slavery to death, slavery to all that. But Sarah was representative of grace. Abraham, the Bible says in Genesis 15, That he was made righteous through his faith. So Isaac was born by grace through faith. There is a deep significance to the plan that God had. He was working it out the entire time. These two women serve as an illustration of God's two covenants. The first woman, Hagar, represents Mount Sinai where the people received the law and it enslaved them. And now, just like Mount Sinai in Arabia, because of her, her children live in slavery to the law. But the other woman, Sarah, represents heavenly Jerusalem. She is a free woman, and she is our mother. That's out of Galatians chapter 4. They were made Righteous through faith Abraham was. There was this greater purpose that was served in Isaac being born. And there was also this beautiful release of God's power. He wanted to make sure, again, that this could not have been by anybody else other than him. The Bible says their bodies were both doubly dead. This wasn't an immaculate conception, but it was a miraculous conception. Conception, It was a miraculous thing that God was bringing about, this release of his power. Abraham and Sarah experienced miraculous resurrection of their bodies because of their belief. And it's through faith and patience that we see God's fulfillment of his promises. Hebrews 6.11 says, Our great desire is that you keep on loving others as long as life lasts. That's a good verse, isn't it? In order to make certain that you hope for what, we, what you hope for will come true. Then you will not be become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. Their faith and endurance. God calls us as Christian Christians to be this kind of people, to have faith that equals Endurance that have faith that runs the race. So this beautiful baby had been born to these people who could not have children. And there's this beautiful release of God's power. But there's also more stories of what that looks like in Genesis chapter 21. We're gonna take a look at that. And so Genesis 21, eight, this is talking about Isaac. The child grew and was weaned. And on the day that Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. Uh, he would have been about three or four years old at this point. Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar, the Egyptian, had born uh, was mocking Isaac. And she said to Abraham, get rid of that slave woman and her son, for that woman's son will never share in the inheritance With my son Isaac. I mean, that is strong, kicking him out. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. But God said to him, Don't be distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to what Sarah tells you, because it's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the slave into a nation also, because he is your offspring. Isaac meant laughter. He brought joy to the home. The Bible never mentioned Ishmael brought laughter. The Bible did say that he would grow up to be a wild donkey of a man. But God made Abraham a promise because of his covenant with him that he would also make Ishmael into a great multitude of a nation. The two lineages were not going to be able to live together at peace. They were told to go, but we'll see they were not forgotten let's go to um, verse 14 early the next morning Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave it to them to Hagar he set them on her shoulders and sent her off with the boy she went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba remember that when the water in the skin was gone she put the boy under the bushes he's 17 at this point Then she went off and sat down about a bow shot away, about a hundred yards. For she thought, I cannot watch this boy die. And as she sat there, she began to sob. This is a tough deal for Hagar, right? This is unbelievable to imagine. If you're a parent... Imagine this son that you love so dearly, probably the only one you feel like you could trust in this relationship of all the relationship you have. You've been sent out with water on your back. You run out very quickly. You're in the desert of Beersheba and you sit your son down and you go, you go away because you can't watch him thirst to death and die. God, hearing the boy crying, God heard not just his tears, But these words in the original text give this connotation of crying out to the Lord, asking for help. The angel of God called to Hagar from the heaven and said to her, What's the matter, Hagar? Don't be afraid. God has heard the boy crying, and he lies there. I think that language right there is so key. God heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift up the boy and take him by the hand. I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. What? Where was this well before? So she went and filled the skins with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy as he grew up. And he lived in the desert and became a skilled archer. While he was living in the desert of Paran, his mother got a wife for him from Egypt. You're thinking about this story and you're going, this is tough. I'm glad the Lord came through in the nick of time because Ishmael was crying out to the Lord. Something unbelievable happened 17 years ago. God made Hagar a promise that he was going to give her a son And that he was going to make a great nation out of him. Just as Abraham and Isaac and Sarah had to wait on this promise to be fulfilled, so Hagar did as well. He made a promise to them that he was going to make them into a great nation. So could it be possible if God is who he says he is, that this boy dies underneath a tree of thirsting to death? If you believe God's promise, then the answer has to be no. There has to be a way, God, what are you doing here? God heard the boy crying out. I want you to take a look at Genesis chapter 16, starting in verse 7. So right before this, um, after Ishmael uh, was about to be born, Sarah was unbelievably cruel to Hagar. She runs away, and she runs off, and the Lord finds her. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring Beside the road to Sir. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. Then the Lord, then the angel of the Lord said to her, some translations or some scholars believe that this is actually Jesus. The messenger of the Lord. Go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. Then in 13, she says, she gave his name. She gave this to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Beer- Lara Roy, it is still there between Kadesh and Bered. Kadesh, Bered, the desert of Beersheba is right in between that. There are some scholars that believe that she could have been sitting right beside the spring that was turned into a well that God had met her 17 years prior to that. God made her a promise and he's the kind of God that doesn't give up on his promises even when we do. And what he was really looking for her in that moment was just a cry out to him that says, I remembered your promise that you made to me. He heard it from Ishmael. He wanted to hear it from Hagar, and he still saved them. He still did exactly what he said he was going to do. He rescued them, and then he actually brought them thriving. We can see now the divide that happened. The nation of Israel, the Palestinian nation, come from these two sons. But in that promise, he promised him to make him into a beautiful nation. Excuse me, a great multitude of a nation. And there's great news for us in that. This story we have of provision and so many others that we can glean from, take the faith from, And say, yes, God can do that in my life. There was a different kind of faith that they had to have then. They had to have a faith that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. The faith that we have to have now is that God did what he said that he was going to do. But you can lean on these stories to build your faith. Can you remember who God says that you are to him? Can you remember what you've been called into? Are there circumstances that are weighing so heavy on you currently in your life that you're forgetting that the promises that God has made to you? He's got provision for you, He's got His Spirit that He wants to give you. Remember to be faithful, the faith that produces endurance. He is trustworthy. We can follow his commands to be set apart, to be holy, and to have communion with him. And then, once we realize that we have that ourselves, then it's time to turn the gaze to others. Because, as much as he wants to pour himself into us and give himself uh, his spirit, he also wants that for our neighbors, he also wants that for our friends. He also wants that for our family. And the same way that he produces his miracles through us living faithful lives is the same way that he's going to reach our friends, our family, and our neighbors. So once we get this deep down inside of us, the next thing to do is to turn and say, God, who are you putting in my circle of influence? Who can I steward in this circle so that we can see your gospel goodness move forward? What would it look like for me to show someone what living water is? John 4.10 says, "Jesus, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that you asked for a drink, you would have asked him and I would have given you living water. He gives us that opportunity now to show others living water. People of faith, I heard it this morning. I heard the way that you were singing to God the Father. I heard it. And so, as we begin to continue to reproduce that faith inside of us, turn it into things that He has for us continued faith and purposes that reach and touch our neighbors. I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to continue worshiping Him. Father, we love you. And we're so incredibly thankful. That you give us the opportunity to be faithful stewards of you, of your gifts and of your goodness. So Father, as we worship you in spirit and in truth, will we ask ourselves the questions, do we fully know you? Have we had that kind of faith that says yes, no matter what the circumstances are? Father, would we be shown to be faithful stewards? We love you, Lord. continue you, let me pray, and all God's people said, Amen.